50 years ago, on July 20, 1969, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped off a tiny, rickety spacecraft and onto the surface of the moon. Apollo 11 was the ninth endeavor in the 14-mission Apollo moonshot program, and it was arguably NASA's most dangerous and ambitious mission ever. And Plano resident Phil Palacia had a hand in it all. If we didn't do the right thing, we'd kill the astronauts. It was meticulous, painstaking, and it had to be perfect. In December of last year, we introduced you to Plano resident Phil Palacia in our launch episode. In recognition of the Apollo 11th 50th anniversary of the moon landing and his role in that accomplishment, we want to dedicate a special Plano Podcast Extra episode and share more of our in-depth interview to help you celebrate this amazing American achievement and this remarkable Plano resident's hand in the space program. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker. And I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano and just outside of what you might expect. Phil joined IBM in 1964. He was just 23 years old, a graduate of Louisiana Tech and Auburn University with degrees in mathematics. His first assignment in Houston was to write the code for the orbit determination software for Project Gemini. After learning details of celestial mechanics, orbital mechanics, and the NASA language, he manned the data select position in the real-time computer complex called the RTCC. The code was used for all of Gemini. He manned the data select position for Gemini 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. After Gemini 8, he was promoted and became the manager for the orbit re-entry group. He continued in this management role for Apollo. The resulting product for Apollo was approximately 5 million lines of code, which supported simulations, astronaut training, practice, flight controller training, and all aspects of computing for the Apollo project. The Saturn V rocket that launched the Apollo 11 astronauts into space is still the tallest, heaviest, and most powerful rocket ever flown. These are the missions that I supported. Gemini, Apollo Skylab, and Apollo Soyuz. I worked for IBM and I wrote the code for the orbit determination program and, and in many cases I sat at the console to select the vectors to find the, the spacecraft. My job was to make sure that we knew exactly where the astronauts were. Each day that I would go to work, we were going to do things that had never been done before. As they prepared for Apollo 11, Phil was now 28, and he was selected by NASA to attend the launch of the Apollo 11 at Cape Kennedy. It was a thrill and an honor for Phil. However, after the launch, and once it was successfully in orbit to the moon, he had to hustle back to Houston and resume his duties. Apollo 8 was the first time we actually went to the moon. Now, we, being old country boys, we knew that we had to, if we were going to shoot at a bird, we had to eat the bird a little bit because it would be not there when you got there. So this thing, the the moon was going something like, uh, I think it was over 2,000 miles an hour around the Earth. And you had this other thing going at 17,000 miles an hour. 
So we want to make sure that we come together without crashing. And this thing that was going 17,000 miles an hour would go fast for a while and then slow down because it lost the, the gravitational pull and then the moon would pick it. So we had various times, the various speeds that we would have to calculate. That was a very moving mission for me because when I, I was sitting down there looking at a black and white screen for mission control, I recognized how small we were. We were just dots and I, I teared up. And then Apollo 11, of course, was uh, the milestone. We made it. Uh, I was privileged, I guess, to be selected because I was the, the guest of NASA. There's my badge and the invitation. And I was a VIP guy at Apollo 11 mission launch. So went to the launch, did all the preliminary things that I needed to do, came back home, went to work. Everybody was pretty happy when we landed on the moon, including me, and then I was particularly happy when we brought them back and they were on the uh, aircraft carrier. Well, NASA Road 1 turned out to be a big floating beer bust because they closed all the streets and everybody went out to party. During his career, scientists work with what seems like primitive technology today, making America's early space accomplishments even more impressive. If you saw the movie Apollo 11, the crew reported air codes of 1201 and 1202, computer overloads. His challenge was to not let that happen in the real-time computer complex. We had no internet. We had no personal computers. We didn't even have hand calculators. But I had my faithful uh, slide rule. Uh, telephones you would dial. We did have indoor plumbing, that was about it. In mission control, in the, what I call the trench, the bottom floor where I worked, we had five 7094 IBM computers, and uh, we ran two simultaneously for the missions. And they were huge machines at the time. They were uh, 512K memory, and I've got triple that in my wristwatch right now. The Houston IBM team worked in support of the RTCC, that work started with the Gemini program and continued through Apollo, Skylab, Apollo Soyuz, and the Space Shuttle. There were times when it was boring, and then there were times where it was terrifying. If we didn't do the right thing, we'd kill the astronauts. And we came pretty close. Uh, with the exception of Gemini 8, uh, we would usually have enough time to figure out what we were going to do. Gemini 8, we just had to move it quick because they were coming in. They were almost out of fuel. And that was Armstrong and Scott. And uh, I was particularly nervous at that flight because the last bit of tracking we had was a, a ship. And in those days, we didn't have GPS. So I didn't know exactly where the ship was, nor did anybody else. But, uh, with three points, I could determine the circle. So I'd written a little subroutine in the code that said after three data points, I would determine where the spacecraft was going to be. I'd you know, project it down, 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 because the data would come in every six seconds. So at 17,000 miles an hour, they would move quite fast coming down and splashed down. So we had to know exactly where they were. So the DOD would know where to bring the ships. So fortunately, there was a destroyer called the Mason, which was in the area where Gemini 8 came down. And they didn't have all of the equipment, but they had a hoist. And they hooked the spacecraft up and hoisted it up on top of the destroyer and brought them in. 
Gene Krantz told us at one time, you know, particularly during Apollo 13, he says, you were all born to be here at this time, so do it. We improvised a lot. What we didn't know didn't hurt us. We didn't know we couldn't do it, so we did it. The uh, space program required miniaturization. So as a result, you get things like transistor radios, uh, smaller uh, wristwatches, cameras. Communications, I think, is the biggest thing. I always, and maybe this is a little bit, uh, well, I'll just say it anyway. Satellites run the world today. Just think about it. Your telephone wouldn't work, your TV wouldn't work, your GPS wouldn't work, airplanes couldn't fly. The, the people that are working it today are infinitely more competent than we were. They have more tools, and I admire them a lot. Now, we can give them wisdom of things that we went through, but it's kind of like the, the guys that built the wagon wheels, you know? We, they, we built good wagon wheels, but you don't use wagon wheels anymore. Palacia says over the many months of working on the Apollo Project, about 90% of his time was devoted to work with many nights at home ending with a phone call at 4 a.m. telling him to get dressed and get back in. He watched the Apollo 11 liftoff in Florida and was in mission control in Houston shortly before the moon landing. Since the astronauts were supposed to rest for a few hours, he went home. Before he could return to mission control, the decision was made to start the walk on the moon, which he watched at home on TV with his wife, and two young sons. For the 50th anniversary of the historic Apollo 11 mission, Bill's in Houston, attending private events and celebrating that very special band of brothers who are part of American history. We've got a picture of him with some of them on our episode page. He says, we were a single team dedicated to the integrity of schedule and perfection in all aspects. When NASA needed something by a certain date, they did what they had to do to deliver it. I was blessed to be able to not only witness the future, but to participate in its arrival. We'll leave you with the inspirational quote delivered by John F. Kennedy at Rice University in 1962. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Mission accomplished July 20th, 1969. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast, Tales of Curiosity and Character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.